We have been, for the last four weeks, going through a series called How to Start a fire, and we've been using this analogy about fire. We've been talking about it, about the fire of God and how you were made to actually be fully alive in the presence and power of God himself, who is a consuming fire. In the first week, we talked about how God has actually called us and created us to have his presence dwelling within us. And so in life, when we search this world for things that bring joy and things that bring passion and meaning and hope, you're actually looking for God. And so we said that you were actually made to chase the flame. And where we get tripped up is when we try to look to things to satisfy that can't satisfy. You were made for Jesus. And so we talked about how you were designed to chase the fire, the flame, and you find it in King Jesus. But the second week we talked about don't get confused when we get talking about how to start a fire. Don't think that this is a fire that you start. The fire of God is a gift of grace. Can I get an Amen. It, yeah, 17 people believe in grace today. It's a gift of grace. God actually has given you life. He's given you freedom. He's given you joy and hope and forgiveness and mercy in the person of Jesus Christ. And we talked about how just like a burning coal from the altar of God's holiness, he has reached out and touched us by grace. And it was just an incredible thing. I think we need to remind ourselves of that every single day. It is by grace you have been saved. It is grace that is writing the story of your life. It is the narrator. It is the context of who you are. Amen? So we talked about being touched by grace. Then last week, we talked about how once you have received grace, you've been given that touch of grace, that hot burning coal Paul said to Timothy one time, now it's your job to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. And you need to order your life and arrange it in such a way that it actually ignites and grows and grows and grows. Did you know that God is a God of an eternal increase? That he wants today's ceiling to be tomorrow's floor? That he's constantly growing us and building us and blessing us eternally. And so we talked about these three things, but I wanna wrap up today with this question. What do you do when you've done all three of those things, you've chased the fire, you've experienced God's grace, you've trusted him, you've let him touch you with his mercy and peace and meaning, you've surrendered your life to him, you're even doing the thing with the fireplace where you're taking stuff out and you're praying every day and you're doing all the right stuff to tend the fire, but what do you do when you chase the flame with all your heart, you chase God with all your heart and he leads you right into a whole other fire? And it's not a good fire. It's the fiery furnace. It's the difficulty. It's the hardship. It's the temptation. What do you do when you follow Jesus into a fire? When you chase the flame into a season of burning, into a season of friction and pressure and stress and pain and loss. Because here's the thing I have found to be true in my years of following Jesus, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm not by the authority of God's word. We will find ourselves in difficult seasons. Jesus himself said in John 17, he said in John 17, he said, uh, in this world you will have troubles. But fear not, I've overcome the world. See, the Bible sets the precedent for that there are times in our pursuit of Jesus when we did nothing wrong. In fact, we did everything right, but we find ourselves in a difficult pressure cooker, fire, furnace situation. So I want to ask the question, what do you do when you chase the flame 
and you find yourselves in the fire. Now, I told you I want to preach from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in Daniel chapter 3 if you want to find it. You can find it on your phone. I, true story. It took me a little bit to find it in the actual paper. It's, it's, it's kind of buried in there in the uh, major prophets. But you can find it in there. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to jump in there. And I want to look at a story of three gentlemen who are thrown, literally thrown, into a furnace. And I want to use it as a picture to encourage us as to how we are supposed to process going through the fire. Because if you're following Jesus, I can guarantee you, he'll lead you through fire. There are times you will find yourself in difficulty and pressure and stress. And you see it over and over in the Bible. You see the great heroes of the faith, that it was God who led Moses into the wilderness. Remember the story of Moses? He saw the burning bush and the cloud by day and the fire by night, and he spent 40 years in the wilderness, and he never actually saw the promised land. True story. Or it was Elijah. When Elijah, on the top of Mount Carmel, he did all the right things. He exercised faith. He called upon, G called upon God to come in power and show himself. And sure enough, fire falls and ignites the altar. And everyone's like, wow, there is only one true God. And Israel repents. And then he finds himself on the run for his life. You see it over and over. You saw it in the New Testament with Paul the Apostle. The great, the great evangelist. You saw him uh, shipwrecked. You read in Acts chapter 28, he's shipwrecked and he floats to shore on a, piece of on a piece of shrapnel and he crawls up on shore to finally think that his life is spared and he gathers some wood together to, to create a fire and out of the wood comes a poisonous viper and bites his hand. Like if you don't have a come on moment with that, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like you ever have that moment? Like are you serious right now? Like that moment where it just seems like one thing after another and the pressure is up and the heat is up. What do you do when you go through it? Now, in our story in Daniel chapter 3, I'll give you some context. The children of Israel, these are God's people, they are in captivity. They have been led into a foreign land with a foreign king, the King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And they're living there under his rule and reign. And what happens is... Nebuchadnezzar, like you do, built a 90-foot statue of himself because he can. And so he built a 90-foot gold statue of himself, and he said that whenever you hear the sounds, whenever you hear the music play and the cue music, your job, you people, is to turn towards my 90-foot likeness and bow down and worship me. And so he set that decree, and now here comes the problem for a good Jew. These guys, these guys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were good Jews, and there's one rule about following God, the first commandment. Do you know what it is? Have no other gods before me, including such gods as a 90-foot gold statue of a dude. And so here they are with a choice, and now it gets a little more, more intense. Nebuchadnezzar said that if you do not bow down, I am going to light up a furnace and I am going to throw you in it. So here's your incentive to hit the deck. I will burn you to death. And so this is the problem that, that our guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, find themselves in. If I bow down, I'm defying the one true God and I'm going against everything I believe in. But if I don't bow down, I'm going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, this is a real story and this is intense, but I want you to see it as a picture for the furnace that you may be going through right now. And we're going to look at what God has to say to us. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 7, it says this, that at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
But some of the astrologers went to the king and ratted on or informed the Jews, informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither. We need more zither in church, just saying. The lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. Here it is. That decree also states, your highness, that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that... I'm going to go from here on out. I'm going to say the guys instead of Shadrach. Can I do that? We tracking? And he ordered that the guys be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, guys, that, I, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. And when you hear the sound of the musical instruments... But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately. You will have no chance into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? The guys replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. You imagine that faith, staring him right in the face. The God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, emphasis added, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with the guys that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind, get that picture in your mind, to tie them up to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. This is how hot it is. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, get that in your mind, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. What do you do when following Jesus, when doing the right thing lands you in the fire? If you picture that, I mean, we read that through and we, we added some commentary and color to it, but, but truly these are three guys. This is a very intense situation. And when you put yourself in their shoes, you think about this. They were faced with a choice to stand for God, to stand in faith or to bow down. And they chose right, didn't they? I mean, they stared right in the face of the most powerful person on the planet at the time in history, and they said, we will never bow to you. You go ahead and throw me in the furnace. My God can rescue us. What faith. And you picture that, though, and you let that play out in your mind if that was you, and you, you there with shaky hands and weak knees, you did the right thing knowing there's a bigger, greater king who's watching, and you, you defied this king, and you, and you said in faith, I trust my God to deliver me, and even if he doesn't, we won't bow to you. And you do the right thing. And then you see what happens next. The guy gets mad and you're kind of waiting for, you did your part, right? You, you exercise faith and now you're waiting for God to come swooping in in might and power and spare you from the furnace because that's the kind of God we serve. And you know, if you exercise faith, then God does his part, right? 
And you're, you're there and you exercise this great faith and now you're waiting for something like he gets stricken with leprosy or drop dead or, or Jesus just appears and he, they get crisis averted, right? And then these goons come in from out back with these large ropes and they start tying these guys up and now they're all of a sudden thinking, all right, God, flare for the dramatic, I get it, but go ahead, do your thing. Now is a good time. You ever have that moment like you exercise faith and you're like, okay, now do the miracle part right? And here they are getting tied up and, and now they're seeing these guys throw more and more wood in the fire and they can feel the heat raging from it. It's so hot. It's actually, they can feel the heat of it being far away. And now they're being shuffled over, about to be thrown in. All right, God, now's a great time for you to do what you were going to do. I, I was faithful. Now you do your part. You ever had those moments in your life where you did the right thing? You did, you honored God? You acted in faith and now you're expecting him to do something certain and, and it doesn't happen. What do you do when you make the right decision to follow Jesus? You never did anything wrong and yet you find yourself being thrown into the fiery furnace. That's the situation here. Let me hit you at home. Maybe for some of you, you you're, you're new to this. You started following Jesus a couple weeks ago. We had 20 people put their faith in Christ for the first time. You, you, you may have thought after that day that everything's going to get a lot easier from here on out. And you were surprised to find that your family don't like your new decision. And that now there are a new set of problems and there are, there's a new set of pressures and your life for the last 14 days has not gotten easier. It's actually gotten harder because you chose to follow Jesus. What do you do when you find following the flame leads you into the fire? Maybe for you, you know, you prayed in faith and you did the right thing and you trusted God with that great life decision and you took that new job that you knew God was leading you into it. And now you're there and you wonder, what on earth am I here for? What's going on with this? Maybe for you, you're at the workplace and you had, a, you had a decision of integrity to make. You had an opportunity to do something that only God would have seen and only God would have looked down upon, but you chose the right thing and now it's costing you. What do you do when you follow Jesus into the flames? That's what's going on here. Maybe some of you, you decided, like me back in April when we did the big move campaign to commit a sum of money towards God's vision for our church and you did that and you're trusting God and you're believing in God and, and, but it just seems like I have less money now. What do you do when you're obedient and it seems as though he leads you into the fire because it happens? And I want to look at how these guys respond, and I want to look at their story, and I want to unlock a couple things. When you have one of those moments like, what on earth? What the heck? What's going on here? What do you do when you pass through fire? Let's look at it. Verse 23, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, everyone say, but suddenly. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we see, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Wasn't there three? It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I counted it. I've said their name like 15 times in this discourse. I know it was three. Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Now, the, that translation isn't the greatest. There are other translations you may have. It says, the fourth looks like the son of man. 
through Daniel, it talks about the Son of Man. It's a picture of Jesus. And it's actually the very presence of Jesus they're seeing in the furnace with the three guys. How amazing is that? True story. I was in uh, my friend Dave Mason, uh, his basement. We were watching the Bible series. It came out a couple of years ago. And there was this part about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're sitting there. And don't they get thrown into the fire? And they're burning. And then all of a sudden, this great glorious light appears. And it's King Jesus. And then the power went off at his house. <laughs> or, or like, there was like, there was like a, a good 15 seconds of silence. Jesus? <laughs> like, it was amazing. But I love this picture because they're thrown right into the midst of it. No, they're not spared of the trial. They are not spared of the fire. But here is the first thing you need to know when you go into the furnace is you need to expect to encounter God's presence. You need to expect when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you need to know something. And you need to know that you know, even if you don't feel it in the moment, you need to know something. God is with you. God is with you. He appears here and he, he lets it be known, I think, for our benefit that we can look and we can see, even though there are times in our lives where it seems as though we are alone, like Job, when it seems as though I look to the east and the west and I don't see him, you need to know something. We do not serve a God who is some loose, detached philosophy. He is not a God of a textbook. He is not a God of ideologies. He is a very present God, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Jesus, they called him Emmanuel. Do you know what that means? God with us. You need to know something today. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what furnace you're in. But there is another one who is in there with you. He is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. God says that in Deuteronomy. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. I don't know what your them is or who your enemy is. But listen to what God says. For the Lord your God goes with you. What a thought. Sometimes God doesn't deliver you from the trial, but I'll tell you what, he never does. He never abandons you in it. And in fact, there are times where we pray and we pray and we pray, God, would you get me out of this? And God's saying, you need to pray me into this. Like the story of Jesus with his disciples. Do you remember that one when he said, guys, meet me across the lake. I'll meet you over there. And they get out on the lake and they're rowing their boat. And doesn't this great storm come up and almost take them down? And I mean, they are thinking they're going to die. And at the 11th hour, they see Jesus walking on water, getting into their boat and saving them. And to me, that's this great picture of how many times in my life do I say, Jesus, get me out of the storm. But I find that Jesus is often more interested in getting himself into your storm than getting you out of it. He is a God who is with us. And you need to know a ground level, base thing. You need to understand that he will be with you in those seasons. And I don't know about you, but I can testify that there are times, even when I haven't felt it in the moment, but when I look back on it, I know God was faithful and he was with me and he brought me through. This is what David meant when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, there's another presence at work with you. You need to expect to encounter his presence. I'll never forget the story. Uh, a year and a half ago, my wife and I, we had our third child. My wife gave birth to our third child. It wasn't me. Um, and his name was Alex. And a couple days later, my friends Josh and Melody gave birth to their baby son named Tyler. And Tyler was born with some genetic defects that actually took his life a few days in. 
And so there was a few days there where, where, where Melody and Josh just got to spend time and savor those moments with their boy until they meet him again in heaven. And uh, it was just a, obviously a heavy time and a difficult time and a time of confusion. I mean, you talk about a fiery furnace, and yet something was going on while they were there in the hospital and while they were just enjoying those moments they got to have with their boy. In spite of the injustice of it all, in spite of the pain of it all, the confusion, all of that, there was this presence at work in them and around them that was so tangible that the medical staff, the nurses and the doctors of the NICU were saying, when you go behind that curtain, there's something else going on there. There's another presence that's there. I know we count three, but there's clearly, there's a fourth that is in there. And I don't know about you, but I've seen that in my own life time and time again. And I, last night when I, when I talked about this, Josh and Melody were here and we embraced after and just said, how good is God that even in our darkest hour, he will never leave us or forsake us. You ever experienced that before? Like in your moment of despair, in your moment there he was, when you call upon him, he hears you. And maybe you don't feel like Superman, but you need to know something, that God is with you. He's with you in the trial. He's with you in the cancer treatments. He's with you through the divorce. He's with you. He's with you with, the, with your child and that issue that's going on. God is with you. He will not abandon you. Can I get an Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 25, he shouts, I see four men. Verse 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. Unbound. Here's the second observation I want to pull from this if you're, if you're awake. Are you ready? Are you with me? We got to talk, church. We're going to be here till four o'clock at the rate you're going. <laughs> Amen. All right. I'm telling you, I, I, am, I am holding on in faith that we are going to be the most rowdy church, preaching church that's ever been in Atlantic Canada. The white, the, just the, the most, we're going to get it, I promise. I'm going to keep at it or I'm going to go somewhere else. So no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I've, I, you're stuck with me, so if you don't want to hear it, Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouts, I see four men unbound walking around. Now, what is that picture? If you remember in verse 23, it says that Nebuchadnezzar went out of his way to what? To bind them. He found four goons and brought them in to actually tie them up so they could not get out. And then he lit the furnace seven times hotter. Now, numbers in the Bible aren't coincidental. A lot of the time they're trying to tell a deeper story. And the number seven is an, is an important number. The number seven is the number of perfection and completion. It's the number of a cycle and a process having come to fruition. And so what, do we, what are we to take from this? It says that he saw them walking around unbound, but nothing else was harmed. Here's the second thing you need to know. When you are going through fire, you need to embrace God's process. Embrace God's process. This is a picture of how God will often use the fiery furnace to actually burn some things off of you, some things that were holding you back, holding you down. He will use these seasons and these pressure times, these times of great friction, to actually use it to free you from some things that have been binding you up. And that's a picture of what happens to these guys. They go in, and the only things to be harmed were things that cannot last. And God will use these seasons for you. If you're going through it right now, one of the great questions you need to ask God is this, God, what are you doing in me? 
How do you want to use this situation to free me, to bring me to deeper life, to refine me like gold? Randy Alcorn once said that real gold fears no fire. You need to know that God is using fire for your refinement process. He's bringing you on to completion seven times hotter. You need to embrace God's process. Romans 8 tells us that God causes all things to come together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Hebrews 12 tells us, don't despise the Lord's discipline for he's treating you as sons. You know, what human father does not discipline his sons? This was written in 2000, in 2000 years ago, so some human fathers don't discipline their sons. You should. Anyway, rant over. What about Joseph? Do you remember Joseph? in the Old Testament, where he was actually like betrayed by his brothers, left for dead, sold into slavery. And then sure enough, he finds himself, he gets slightly promoted and he stands for what is right. He doesn't compromise his morals and then he's thrown into prison. And you see through the story of Joseph that God actually processes him and changes him so that when he is ready for promotion and when God establishes him and moves him from the pit to the palace, he can handle it. See, there's a process that God often takes us through in these seasons of difficulty. I, I think one of the reasons our church is being so blessed today and we continue to grow and we continue to see fruitfulness is because in 2012, we went through a fiery time. And I think we allowed God to do what God wanted to do. And we said, God, I remember in 2012 being with our board members and our leaders and just saying, okay, clearly, God, you have our attention would you do whatever you want? And I'll never forget one time we went on a retreat and uh, we, we, we lit a campfire and I had everybody write on a stick, on a piece of wood, what you think God wants us to leave behind in this season. And we did it and we threw a bunch of things into the fire just to get burned off. And I believe that is why God is causing so many amazing things to happen today is because we said in that season, in that furnace, God, have your way in us, do whatever you wanna do, remove whatever needs to be removed. Would you refine us now? And that is why I believe today we're seeing what we're seeing at our church. And whatever you're going through, you need to know, God, there's a process God is taking you through. You need to elbow the person next to you, make sure they're awake and tell them, I'm in process, I'm in process, I'm in process. Go ahead, go ahead. You need to embrace the process. Number three is this, if you're taking notes, you should take notes. These are good things. You're gonna need them at some point. If you're not there now, you probably will be. Number three is this, expect his protection. Expect God's protection. Look what happens. It says, the Nebuchadnezzar shouted, he says, I saw four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. Now, was the fire real? Yes. Was the heat real? Yes. In fact, it killed a few other people. But this is a picture, I believe, of the protection of God. You may go through a difficulty. You may even lose your life. But there is a greater reality you have got to understand about your life with God. Your soul belongs to God. And that if you've given your life to him, there is a hedge of protection around you. That's what it means, and no weapon formed against me shall prevail, even death. That you are God's property, and God has his eternal investment in his son in you, and he will not lose you. I think sometimes in those seasons, we wonder, like, where's the protection? And we think, like, God, God's, oh, shoot, I lost Brent. We think God's going to lose us. God's not losing anybody or anything. God does not lose. And if you have put your trust and your life in him, he will protect you. Does that mean you're not gonna come into any harm or difficulty? No, but it does mean that in the end, you will stand before God unharmed, unbound, fully free and fully alive forever. God owns 
God has authority over death itself. So you need to know when you're passing through fire that God is victorious over this whole thing and that he has looked at your life and he has decided what you can go through. This is what Paul meant in, in 1 Corinthians 10. He said this. He said the temptations, the temptations, the word is the parasmos. It's, it's testings and trials, the difficulties. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We all go through it. And God is faithful. Can you say amen? God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He'll provide grace for you is what's that saying. Paul elsewhere said, uh, when, 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 when I'm in need, I find that God's power is made perfect in my weakness. His grace is sufficient. This is why Paul just had so much swagger. You know, like swag, full-on swag, Godfidence. Because he knew that, you know what? I could die. I'm going to heaven. God owns me. Death doesn't own me. Cancer doesn't own me. Debt doesn't own me. God owns me. I belong to him. So if I'm going through something, God has looked upon my situation, and he knows what, he, what I can handle, and he will bring me through it. This is why at one point they're like, you know, you know what? We're, we're going to kill you, Paul. I mean, the guy had been through everything. We're going to kill you. And he says, all right, to die is gain. Well, we'll let you live. To live is Christ. <laughs> we're going to throw you into prison. You can't imprison me. I'm a prisoner for Christ. And I'll convert all your guards. <laughs> at one point he writes, I am pressed but not crushed persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. There is a level of your existence that cannot be touched. Even if your body gives way, even if your finances are wobbly, there is a piece of your soul that only God can handle and have and protect and cover. And I'll tell you something, he is protecting you. There is a level of protection that God gives every one of us. And it might hurt and it might feel hot and it might feel deep, but God will bring you through. He is faithful. I think about this sometimes when I think about that, that, that 1 Corinthians 10 where it says like no temptation has come upon you that, that you can't handle. That tells me something that if I'm going through a difficulty, it means that if I belong to God, that God has looked upon my life and he said, I trust he can get through this with my help. You think about that right now. There's grace for your moment right now. That gives me great courage. That, that God, think about this. God trusts you today. God trusts you to get through. I, I talked to Josh and Melody last night after the sermon. I mean, we, we're, we're really tight with that moment because we both had sons that were born that week and I walked through that season with them. And I said, you know what? God knew that you'd be standing here right now full of faith, fully committed. He knew he'd bring you through that. Even in that dark time, he knew that he could trust you to go through that and he could trust you to bring a bunch of people with you and now he knows that he can trust you with twins. They're, they're pregnant with twins. And he knows that he, listen, anybody ever have twins? I told him last night he knew he couldn't trust this guy with twins. But God has looked upon your life and he, he like a perfect engineer knows what will break you. He knows what's too much weight for you. So if it feels like too much, there is a higher power and a greater intelligence who made you and knows you. He knows you're not gonna break. He knows he'll give you enough grace to get through. So you, someone needs to hear that today. You feel like you're about to break and die and God knows what you can get through with his help. 
there is a level of protection you need to expect. And I know some people here, you're not in it right now, and you can testify, you know what, I should be dead. I shouldn't be here right now. I should, I should, be, I should have been left in the dust, and yet God has brought me through. Anybody testify to that today? That God protected you? Some of you need to live longer, I'd say. He'll protect you. He perfectly measures grace for you. We're, gonna, we're gonna, almost done. Are you with me? I got nine minutes and 44 seconds, and I'm going to use them. Is that okay? All right. Daniel, it says in verse 26, we're going we're gonna to come to the end. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Do you hear his language changing? <whistles> come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. God will bring you through. Then the high officers and officials and governors and advisors around them saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and the clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I love how like over the top this miracle is. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar is 90-foot statue guy. Like super intense, I'm going to burn you to death if you don't worship me. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and they were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree, a new decree now, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'll be torn limb from limb. This guy is hardcore. <laughs> you, can, you can take the evil dictator out of the palace, but you can't take the, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I'm not even, you know what? Blazing furnace, that's so old, Nebuchadnezzar. We're going, I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to tear you limb from limb if you say anything bad about this God. <laughs> I love how raw that is. It cracks me up. I got tigers for you. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. And look at this testimony. Look what he says. There is no God who can rescue like this. I love, this is, I think, my favorite part of the whole story. It's not that God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My favorite part is this, that the, the greatest adversary, the greatest opponent to this God was so blown away by their testimony. And do you know what he said? He, he wasn't so even impressed at the fact of the miracle that they weren't burned. He was more impressed by the fact that they would dare defy him that they had so much faith in their God that they would say, our God can deliver us and even if he doesn't, we'll burn to death. I will not bow to you. Here is something you need to know and I hope this encourages you and I hope God gives you grace to receive it. But you need to know something. One of the reasons God will bring us through, through a trial is not actually for your benefit but for someone else's. And if you've given God permission over your life, God will use your life to actually bring others into freedom and salvation. So here's the other point. You need to engage God's purpose for the reason you're in a fire. Yeah, he's working out a process in you, but you may be a purpose for someone else. You might be going through a difficulty because somebody else is watching and, no, and you don't even know who it is and God is using your testimony as to how you pass through fire to actually speak to them that they would know there is no God who can rescue like our God. God might be using your story for someone else. 
And if that doesn't make you excited, you don't have a great understanding and scope of eternity. Because I know something to be true. If my suffering helps someone else come to know Jesus, that is the very heart of Jesus, is it not? The very heart of Jesus is the one who actually suffered so that others could live. Nothing is more Christ-like than for you to lay down your life for someone else. And sometimes God will take you through these circumstances so that someone else can find life in Christ. The disciples, the earliest disciples in the book of Acts, they knew this. They counted it as joy to be able to suffer for someone else to find Jesus. God may be bringing you through a difficult time because someone else is watching how you go through it. And you know what? Something, something I think about, you know, it's one thing to see someone with great faith who prays for a miracle and what they ask for is done and yay. You know, we all celebrate that. It's awesome. But it speaks even louder when like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, you know what? Even if he doesn't, I will worship him. Like Job who says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And I find sometimes faithfulness through the difficulty speaks louder than a miracle right in the midst of it. Sometimes people are watching and so moved by the fact that, wait, you went through that and you still have faith? There must be something to this. See, God may be bringing you through a situation or a season because he's trying to reach somebody else. I was talking a couple weeks ago to a real wonderful lady in my life and just a, a real staple of our church named Sandra, and she's going through just a difficult fight with cancer right now. And, uh, you know, as I was talking to her and she was telling me just, I mean, talk about faith and confidence and Godfidence. I mean, she's got it. She's been holding on to healing and praying for healing, and we've been praying for her, but we've got some bad news as of late. And after a couple, not long after she got that bad news, she was here at the church and got talking to her and she was telling me just straight eyed and not afraid. But then she started to break down a little bit and, and I didn't know where she was headed. And then she said this, she said, my only prayer is this, that God will use my trial and God will use my story so that the people in my apartment building can see me go through this and that they will come to know Jesus too. That's the heart of God. That's the heart that says, you know what? God, use me. You know, Sandra understood, you know what the worst that can happen to me is? I die and go to heaven and live at the right hand of God and I have fullness of joy forevermore. Like that's the worst that can happen to me is this body gives up and I live forever with Jesus. But there are people that live right around me. There are people that live right around me that do not know the hope that I have and they do not have salvation and they are, they are facing eternal death. I was so moved by the fact that she was fully aware. I mean, talk about being in the midst of the fire, fully aware, saying, God, use this. Use my story. Use this fire. Bring me through. I'm asking for it, but at the same time, would you use this for someone else? You see, you need to engage God's purpose and know that this might be as much for someone else's benefit. It says this. We're going to wrap up right here. It says in verse 30, so... King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, he becomes this believer. And then it says this, he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions. Again, get that picture in your mind. They come through the fire, not into demotion, not into slavery, but into promotion, into either, even higher positions. Here's the last thing. You need to be insured of eternal promotion. That no matter what you're going through, 
Our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is in what lies ahead of us. That God is not a God who takes. God is a God who gives. God is not a curser. He is a blesser. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. God is not a God of no. He is a God of yes. He is a God of that you may. He is a God that is for your joy. He is for your life. And if he is bringing you through a fiery furnace, you need to expect promotion. Whether it's in this life or the next, you need to know that I have an inheritance coming for me. I have good things in store, that there are good things in my path. They lie ahead of me. You know what? There may be pain in the night, Paul says, but joy comes in the morning. You need to expect promotion. You need to keep your eyes forward. This is what Jesus did. Remember in Hebrews 12, it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's how you get through the furnace. That's how you pass through fire. You need to realize that the fire is not the end, that this trial is not the end, that if you belong to Jesus, you have a great, great reward ahead of you. So we don't lose heart. We don't get discouraged. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. If we don't give up at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen how God has brought me through temporary trials and has promoted me on the other side of it. I've seen him bless me because I came through a situation. I've seen that in my own life. But even if he doesn't, I know what my inheritance is. I know there is more that lies ahead of me than it is behind me, that the days ahead of me are greater than the days that have already gone by. Some of you need to know that. You feel like your best days are behind you. No, they're not in Jesus. Your best days are ahead of you. Can I get an amen? Do you believe that? Your best days are ahead of you. We, own, we serve a God who owns everything, who has conquered death, who, holds, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he has offered us eternity in his very presence. Your best days are ahead of you. These trials are temporary. So if you don't give up, if you don't get tired of doing what is good at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You need to know that God is for your joy. I, I remember uh, about a year and a half ago, I was having some time with my mentor and he's just like, hey, okay, why don't you be honest for a few minutes? Tell me everything that's going on in your life. And I, I'm about an hour later after I just vomited on the table, all the stress and, you know, I believe it or not, I get stressed. Y'all stress me out. <laughs> There's a lot of you. And I, I was just like, throwing it all on there. And then there's this, and I got this going on, and this, and I don't know if I can do that. And I think we're going here, but I don't have the guts to, and just throwing all that stuff down. And I'll never forget when he looked me right in the eye, and he said, are you done? I said, I think for now. And he said, do you trust God? I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm supposed to, right? I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to trust God. And he goes, no, no, like, do you understand that God will never lead you somewhere to undo you. God will never bring you into something for your demise. You need to resolve that. 
Brent. You need to understand that if, if you're passing through it, that God knows you can get through it and he is bringing you into something greater. He's bringing you into promotion. You need to understand that. And I resolved something that day, that Jesus knows how to lead my life, that God is a better leader than I am, that God knows how to direct my path better than I know. He's a better navigator. He's better at getting me to life than I am. And so I need to resolve something, and you do too if you're in a trial today. You have got to trust something. At the end of the day, come what may, whether it's loss, whether it's death, whether it's cancer, whether it's debt, whether it's fear, whether it's divorce, whether it's a relationship, you need to know something. If you have said, Jesus, I want you to lead my life, he will not lead you to a place of destruction. He is leading you to eternal life, full, abundant overflowing, never-ending life. These trials are temporary, but he is leading you to eternal joy and life. Do you believe that today? Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that you can be trusted. God, we thank you. And I know, I know there are some heavy circumstances happening right now. But God, you are greater and you are higher, and you are above them. And Lord, your way is perfect. Like we sung before, you are perfect in all of your ways, even in the things that you let us go through. And God, I just want to say that that's true today. And I want to say for the one who, who is questioning your leadership, Lord, may we know today, may your spirit bear witness by the truth of your word that you're not bringing us into demotion, you're not bringing us into destruction, but you are raising us to life in Christ. And let, let us be reminded, like Paul said in Romans 8, that you're not withholding and you're not taking from us, but how much more will he who gave us his only son for us not give us all things? God, you're for us. So Lord, I pray that you give us great strength today. I pray that you lift our heads, that we're quick to call upon your name, that we know that you are our help, that you'll bring us through, that you will actually be the one to bring us through the fire and that we can trust you in it, that we know, like David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They guide me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I look forward. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So God, I pray today that your word encourages us. That we have faith. And that we don't get tired of doing what is good. But we trust that at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. We love you and we say that your word is true. Would you encourage every heart today in the mighty, matchless, good name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Would you just not rush out? I wanna sing this song. I ask the band to sing this song. And I believe that God will just speak something to your heart right now that I could never say. So don't rush out. Would you get this song in? Would you just declare this in faith? Even in the fire, we'll worship him. Let's sing.